This audio is from the archive of Rhett Bartlett. Michael Bowden, thank you for your time. Was it always football that you wanted to be? A no, footballer growing no, up? No. no as, as you might know, yes. um, I, I actually um, played with Richmond's under 19s in 1964 when I was in my last year at school at St. Kevin's. Right. Um, and uh, I. Um, I was recruited by Graham Richmond and Paddy Ganane, uh, as you've just described, Paddy. Now, it's an interesting story, and I'll actually tell you that story, and it sort of leads into how I got to Richmond. Sure. Um, I played for St Kevin's College in Melbourne, uh, which was a Christian Brothers school, and we had an annual uh, grudge match, if you like, uh, between ourselves and St Pat's College, Ballarat. Right. It's still running, and it's, it's a big affair. Um, St Kevin's go up to Ballarat, uh, St Pat's come down to Melbourne, um, and it's a very, very big game. All the old boys come back, etc., and it gets a big spectator field. Anyhow, on this particular game in 1964, I was playing centre half back, where I played all year, and I'd, I'd made it into the uh, representative uh, public school side at centre half back. Yeah. Um, and I'd had a very good season. I won the best and fairest at the school, and all that sort of stuff. So I was, I was in good form, and I played centre-half back on Barry Richardson. And Barry was about to go to Richmond. Um, he was a little bit older than me, half a year older than me, but he was the best schoolboy footballer in Victoria at the time by far. You know, he's just a superstar. Yeah. And and I had not been beaten at centre-half back that season, and I'd played really well. And the game started, and I got smashed um, by Barry Richardson. He kicked about four or five in the first half. Um, just ran me off my feet at an R40. Marked everything, kicked beautifully. He was just superb. I'd never been moved um, by the coach, but the coach uh, said, you know, by geez, we've got to do something. So they took me away from an R40 and moved me from an back and moved me to full forward. At which point at half time, and this happened just before half time, half time, um, Graham Richmond and Paddy Ganane arrived to watch the footy, to watch Barry. And um, I went down to full forward and kicked four or five or maybe six goals. I was so humiliated by being moved that I really played very well at full forward. And at the end of the game, Graham Richmond came up to me and said, Geez, can I, you can play footy. Would you like to come down to Richmond? And bugging me dead, I did. At the end of that season, after our APS had finished, I went down and played uh, with Richmond's under-19s and played in a grand final on the MCG. Actually, uh, they, they qualified me. It's like Gordon was, Jordan was coaching the under-19s, mm-hmm. and they qualified me by playing another bloke under my name. Oh, that happens, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, eventually I played in that grand final. We got beaten, and I didn't play very well, but I was part of the Richmond show. But the next year I decided I wanted to be a priest, and so I, um, I went to Corpus Christi College in Werribee instead of going down to Richmond, and I spent two years studying for the priesthood down there. At the end of those two years, I, I decided that I didn't want to go on with it. I, I wanted to be a priest, and I still, you know, I'm still a strong Catholic and still go to Mass every Sunday and frequently other, other times, and, you know, still live a Catholic life. But I realised that I wasn't made to be a single man. Um, and uh, so I, I left, and uh, I rang up my dad, and I said to, to my father, Kevin, listen, Dad, I, I'm going to leave the seminary. I, I think that uh, it was holiday time, and... and uh, uh, I had a job in the city. Uh, we used to get some time off over Christmas, and I had a job in the city. And, and I rang him up at work and said, look, I, I'm going to leave, and I've written a letter to the bishop. He said, good on you, son. Well done. Uh, love you. Always loved you. We supported you. We'll keep supporting you. Well done. And 15 minutes later, he rang me back. He said, I've just spoken to Graham Richmond. He said, 
this is in uh, early February. Um, he said, if you've got a pair of uh, runners and a jockstrap, you can go down to training tonight. And I went down and I ran around the tan with Barry Richardson that night um, in 1967. And I played my first game uh, midway through Queen's birthday. It was Queen's birthday against Collingwood MCG in 1967. Um, but just to take that story one, one step further, a few weeks after you know training started, I, um, I ended up uh, playing in a practice match at the uh, Richmond Technical School Oval behind uh, Richmond there, you know, where the town hall is. Yep. And um, I got playing on the half-back flank on Barry Richardson. <laughs> you wouldn't believe it. So I ran out the ground and I'm petrified because this bloke, last time I played on him, he tore me up. Oh. And I actually played really well. I actually probably beat him on the day. Now, Barry had been playing at Richmond for two years and, you know, he didn't really need to play very well, but I yeah. did. <laughs> uh, and I remember taking a specky over the back of him uh, and I um, I really was very lucky. I was very raw. Uh, I hadn't done any pre-season. Uh, I was very, very, you know, sort of unschooled. Mm. Uh, and, you know, somehow or other I, I managed to make it. So... Yeah, footy was always in my blood. I always loved it. I actually saw my old coach from school, a bloke called Kevin Nangle, brother Kevin Nangle. I saw him just two weeks ago, and back in Melbourne, he's 91 years old now, and I, I went and saw him out at his retirement village at Villa Maria. Uh, and I keep in touch with him, and, uh, you know, he, he coached me, and I loved footy, and I went to Richmond, and I ran into Johnny Nix and <laughs> Tommy Hafey, who were two great men. And uh, for the next five years, uh, Richmond was uh, the most important thing in my life, apart from duty. Before you came to Richmond in the under-19s, did you and your father go to matches? Oh, yeah, yeah, but not Richmond got matches. We, we, my, my dad was a Melbourne supporter, oh. uh, and, and I was actually a Ron Barassi fanatic. When, when you, you know when you do things for yes, uh, codes and secret things, when you have to get a, uh, you know, something from on the internet and you have to put in a secret code, what's your father's birthday or what was your yeah. grandfather's occupation or who was your hero? Yeah. Uh, well, I put down, who was your boyhood hero? I put Ron Barassi. And who, who, is, who was the most important uh, figure in your life? I put Tommy Hafey. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I just grew up on Barassi and Brian Dixon and Ian Thorogood and Ian Ridley and Big Bob Johnson. Um, those blokes who played for Melbourne, I, I knew Roy Wright um, oh, and Roy right. Simmons, um, but I, uh, I only ever saw one game at the Richmond Football Ground. I went with Dad one day when Melbourne played Richmond, and I, and I didn't follow Richmond. I followed footy every every weekend after I'd played footy at school. Um, Dad and I would go to the MCG and stand in a northern stand on cans, on beer cans, <laughs> uh, and watch the footy, and, and I, I loved it. And then I used to watch it when I was on TV and in the footy replays and, oh, I, yeah. and I used to actually they used to play the last quarter in those days when I couldn't go to the footy with that um, I, uh, I yeah I followed Melbourne and I followed them passionately uh, and of course they were very successful in that period and I loved Barassi's approach to footy his, his enthusiasm his vigour his determination uh, and, and his, his ability to stand up to bigger blokes and you know, I wasn't super big I was big enough but I you know, I remember in the 69 grand final, I spent a fair bit of time jousting with John Nichols. Oh, right. How tall, was, how tall were you as a player? Oh, 
183, I think. I, I would say I was one of those, the classic Collingwood six footer. <laughs> you know, I was probably 5'11 and three quarters or six foot or something like that. Um, I wasn't big, I wasn't tall. I was just around about the same height as Francis Burke. Um, mm-hmm. uh, perhaps a little bit heavier than Francis. Um, Dickie was a little bit taller and Royce was a little bit taller. Um, Tony Jewel was a little bit tall, you know. I was, yeah. I was, a, yeah, in that size. If you if you look at us now, we'd all be around, be around the same. A bit taller than Johnny Perry. Um, yeah. Uh, about a bit taller than Eric Moore. Um, yeah. Well, uh, it's probably a smart move that you chose Melbourne because you were born uh, what in the forties, where. 1947, yeah. Right, so the last time Richard made a, a, a final series until 67. That's right. And then yeah. in the 50s, you've got Melbourne winning, you know, what, consecutive grand finals for something like four years or whatever That's it is. Right. Yeah, yeah, it was big time. To follow <laughs> Melbourne was, was, you know, really sort of cheerful. <laughs> Did you go to the grand finals? I went to one, yeah. Do you remember one, which that, one? Yeah, I, I don't remember which one, except it was against... Collingwood. Right. It was the one where Wiedemann bounced the ball into the goal square and dropped it. Um, and uh, the, the winning goal was kicked by a fellow called Neil Compton out of the back pocket, which was unheard of. This bloke drifted down from the back pocket, took a mark on the half forward flank, wing half forward flank, and kicked a huge goal at the end of the game that won it. Yep. Now, that might have been, I don't know, 60 something. Yep. Um, I, I can't remember the year, but I remember the play. I remember Wiedemann, and I remember. The goal. Um, it was uh, it was quite actually. If you look you look it up, you'll you'll, you'll yeah. know it. I'm sure. Well, it was a close finish that one too. You're right. It might have been yeah. the, it might have been the only goal he kicked all season. I think. Yeah, it was. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He was a good player. Um, he and Johnny Beckwith were the two back <laughs> pockets, and they were very good. Well, did you did you end up playing on any of the players that you grew up idolising, or not, or did that period of time pass? Um, well, of course, Barassi. Um, oh, he coached. Yeah, um, when he went to Carlton, yeah. um, I did, and and uh, that was a huge, a huge uh, honour, really. Um, what to play against other, him? You mean, sorry, or I, I, look? I I think no, I think he coached, but yeah. it was just incredible to actually be out on the ground and and have him, <laughs> you know, as a person who you're playing against. The other bloke I played against that I had a lot of time for was Bobby Skilton who had followed, he used to follow APS football, and I know he came around to a, a, a game that I played uh, for St Kevin's against Melbourne Grammar, and, and he wrote a report about it and, and wrote, you know, that I was a good player. Uh, and then years later, I ended up playing against him, and he was just such a player. Oh. It was just amazing. And... Um, well, you're, you're at the club in, as you were saying, 60, uh, for the under-19s in 60... 64. Oh, 64. So, yeah. oh, okay, so you've, no, you've, oh, well, Len Smith was Richmond coach at that stage for the seniors, wasn't he? Say that again. Len Smith would have been Richmond Len coach Smith. for the seniors. That's right, he was. So did that, you have that, a, was there a, any, did your paths cross, even though you're under Yes, they did, they did, and that's a most, another remarkable story that, I'm glad you're asking me this because okay. this, this is another amazing story. When when school, I was still playing at school, but uh, and we weren't allowed as a school rule to play for any other club while we were playing at school. So um, I couldn't play on a Saturday, but um, I was invited down to training down at Richmond during during the season. So 
one night on a Tuesday night, um, another bloke, uh, Michael Bidey and, and I, we went down to Richmond to the ground to train. So, you know, I'm 17 years old, schoolboy, go down, it's seniors training. Johnny Perry um, actually took me around the ground and, and John Sheehan, I don't know if you remember yes, him? Yes, Big John Sheehan from Mildura, I actually ended up playing against him up in Mildura many years later. Um, and they ran me around the ground and we had a bit of a warm-up and then, lo and behold, Len Smith is out in the middle, calls me and, and Michael Bidey out into the middle he spent 15 or 20 minutes with us giving us handball coaching and talking to us about football. He's, he's running the senior senior training session around yeah. doing circle work. Yeah. And I'm not kidding you, he would have spent at least 15 minutes with us in the middle of the ground on the turf and the, and the Richmond footy ground. It was just amazing. I couldn't believe yeah. it. Was it um, do you reckon it was just something he saw in you too or just the fact you were... Oh, there? no, I think it was his, his wonderful, gentle... Inclusiveness. He, he was a remarkable man. Yeah. Uh, you know, we went to his funeral a few years later, and he was an inclusive man. He, he wanted to make everybody feel like they were important and they belonged and they had a place. Um, yeah. And I, I hope that in my life I've tried to do the same thing and I've learned that, that lesson from, from Len. It was a wonderful welcome. It made me feel like for that 15 minutes I was important enough uh, for the senior coach to give us that time. It was just a really great feeling. Well, it, it still stayed with you what, yeah, 50, yeah. Year, 40, 50 years later? 50 years, yeah. It's remarkable. I'm turning I'm turn 66 and I was 17, so it's just on 50 years, yeah. It's extraordinary, isn't it? And the other 19s team, I mean, what, you would have had, now correct me if I'm wrong, was Michael Green in the team? or my No, he my wasn't. No, he, came, he was there the next year. Right, so um, my father was in the team. Yeah, yeah, Kevin was in the team. So you saw, can, can you just help me understand what was a very young Kevin Bartlett like? No, I can't remember, quite frankly. <laughs> oh, of and that's, that's really sad, isn't it? Because I was a stranger to these blokes. I just sort of got dropped out of midair, parachuted into the team. I just knew he was bloody good. Um, Frankie Dimitina was playing too, as yeah. I recall. Yes. Um, and Frankie and Kevin were really dynamic. Um, uh, and and the team was a very good team, but not um, the, one of the cloaks, Peter Cloak, I think, um, mm -hmm. David's older brother was playing, and I can't remember too many other blokes um, because, as I say, I, I didn't know them. I was just this bloke who appeared and <laughs> sort of pulled on a jumper. <laughs> All well, I can remember about the other night is just like Jordan's voice. I, I would have guessed bellowing across the ground, I'm guessing. Bellowing across the ground. The first game I played was a home and away game after our season finished at the um, Glenferry Oval against Hawthorne. And Slug's in the, in the box, in the sort of buried box on the, you know, on the northern side of the ground. I'm over on the halfback flank on the other side. And it's like he was standing in his shoulder talking to you. <laughs> the biggest voice I've ever encountered. And God, could he swear that like. I, but, but he was a legend. Oh, I had a, I had the chance of interviewing him, and he was just extraordinary. He was just in the in, in what he, his memories and his mentoring of the young kids. Yeah, that was yeah. just great. I, I seem to think I could be wrong. I think my father injured himself in the finals in, in an under 19s match, um, right. very early on, and that's how he met Jack Dyer. Dyer went okay. Dyer went to visit him in the rooms while he right. was waiting for an ambulance because Dad had injured his hip. What, right. When did you first meet Jack Dyer? Uh, not until I'd got to Richmond. Right, okay. Um, not until my... You had heard of him, obviously. I'd heard of him, yeah. yeah. yeah we, well, 
we knew of him on the television and, and World of Sport and that sort of stuff. And his radio, he used to, I think he used to come on a 3DB, I'm not quite sure. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Um, and uh, I used to listen to him. He, his commentaries, um, if you listen to them today, you, you know, they, they make Crackers Keenan sound like a, a, an Oxford scholar. Um, he, uh, he was just so laconic. Yeah. Um, but he, he was a great bloke, a terrific man, a ge- another gentle man, another man... I mean, fully at peace with himself. He, he was comfortable in his skin, uh, and he seeped Richmond blood out of his pores of his skin. You know, he was just a terrific bloke. Well, Roy Wright was very similar, wasn't he, in terms of... Very similar. They were similar characters, you know. Oh. Um, you get the picture of, of Jack being, you know, a vicious man, yeah, killer. Right. <laughs> uh, but he wasn't. In, in, in everyday life, he was a gentleman. He was a gentleman. Yeah. In, in in the terms that, that would have been used in the 50s and 60s. Yeah. Um, he's a man who grew up in the school of hard knocks and fought his way, you know, survived the depression and all that sort of stuff. But he was a great bloke with, with terrific community values and, and, and a great loyalty and, and inspired loyalty in, in us young blokes. Gosh. And Roy Wright, similar? Yeah, Roy Wright was similar. Both of them had the biggest hands you've ever seen. Now, I've got fairly big hands, but you shook hands with Roy Wright. It's like shaking hands with a piece of rum steak. Um, he had the biggest palms you've ever seen, just great slabs of meat in his hands. Um, uh, but gentle at the same time. Uh, you know, he didn't impose himself. Some blokes shake your hand, they want to squeeze your fingers off. Uh, but he didn't. And, and Jack was the same. Um, big and strong. Jack almost... There was almost a countryness about Jack. It was funny. I, I um, played footy with a fellow called Pat Curran. Yes, um, Richmond. Who played just one season at Richmond, but who I went back and I saw recently up in, in Rombo. I went and stayed with Pat. We oh, had a week up there. Good on him. Um, and uh, Pat, uh, Pat's father was Kevin Curran, who That's also right. played for Richmond. Uh, and Kevin was a country farmer and a, and a copper. And, of course, I think Jack was a copper for a while, wasn't he? Yes, correct, yep. Um, and, uh, and, and in a lot of ways, uh, Kevin Curran and, and Jack Dyer um, were similar builds and similar personalities and similar gentlemen. Uh, beautiful characters. I, I loved Kevin Curran. When I ended up going up to Robinvale, and Kevin recruited me from Richmond to go to coach, Captain Coach Robinvale. Well, not Captain, actually, because Pat was Captain to Coach Robinvale. Um, uh, he came down to Richmond and... Uh, and I found in him that, that beautiful, strong, uh, phlegmatic, uh, soul of the earth, mm. uh, proud, uh, and, uh, sincere sort of character, um, that, that makes up football clubs. And that, that was Kevin Curran. And, and that's the, I knew Kevin better than I knew Jack, but they had the same sorts of personalities and the same sort of effect on me. Now, you know, I'm not a young bloke. I've been away from the world for a couple of years living in a seminary, you know, living a monastic life. Uh, but it was lovely to come across those characters I mentioned, like Tommy, uh, Johnny Nix, uh, and, uh, and Jack Dyer. Yeah. And then on the other hand, to meet um, completely different... Well, well, before I say that, Paddy, Paddy Ganane fits into that model too, by the way. Right. Um, but, and then to meet Graham Richmond and... Uh, <laughs> And Ray Dunn, who were completely different, uh, urbane, sophisticated, ruthless, um, bloody, you know, what's the word? I think ruthless is a good summary. 
I heard uh, Bones Richardson on the radio on the weekend, on the ABC radio, talking about a time in the 80s, uh, 70s, 80s, when Richmond coaches were being uh, assassinated on a yearly basis. And, uh, and, and Bones summarised it by saying that Richmond got into a habit of, of uh, success at any cost. And that coach was expendable. If he didn't get success in one year, we'll see you later. We'll get somebody else. Mm. They had a pantheon of, of supermen, you know, that they could draw on. Um, like your father and like Francis and like Dickie um, and, and they kept on calling on them Michael Patterson Tony Jewell um, yeah Tony Jewell and they kept on calling on these blokes who were the, the heart and soul of the club and then they crucified the poor bastards <laughs> <laughs> dear me what's interesting <laughs> ruthless is personified it's, it's, it's tough I mean it's really it really is they, they've written a, a, a play Williamson wrote a play about Collingwood but you know there's a play in <laughs> In the Richmond Football Club too, somewhere. Well, um, gr- correct me if I'm wrong, but Graham really didn't—he didn't hold an official capacity at the club, did he? Oh, yeah, he did. Yeah. Oh, he—he he did. Like he was—he was secretary. Right. So he was secretary. Yeah. yeah. And and he, but his influence was quite extraordinary, wasn't it? Oh, it was extraordinary. It was. It was. It was. You know, today he'd be called general manager. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And and he'd be general manager of football op- operations and, and <laughs> club and everything. You know, the whole lot. Yeah. He ran the show. Yeah. Uh, Ray Ray Dunn um, supervised um, sort of the, the bigger picture, but the, the, down to the minutiae of of, of life, uh, Graham was 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 his responsible. I mean, there was, I think Alan Shaw was his assistant, and there was a girl in the office, and that was about it. <laughs> Um, it, it, it was amazing, uh, and, and the office was a little pokey, bloody little thing. Um, it was it was really rough and tumble um, mm. at the back at Richmond. Um, and Graham, Graham, you know, did the recruiting. Uh, he, he did the management. He, he organised the wages. Uh, he did everything. Uh, and uh, he he um, sucked in all these great players. Got Tommy. Um, Mm. Yeah, and and uh, it was always there with everything, you know. Like he wasn't a distant figure; he was a, he was a he was a present figure. Right. Uh, I don't know whether today uh, some of the players see a lot of the CEOs, um, mm. but certainly in in our day, Graham was there all the time. And then we come to Tom Hafey. Yeah. So, do you remember when you first? Met Tom or the early influence he had on you that obviously perhaps still stays with you. Yeah, I do. I, I, Everyone does. I, I remember that first year really well. Sixty-seven. Sixty-seven. Um, yep. Yeah. Um, and what I remember is uh, a practice match at uh, at the Richmond Ground. Um, I, I'd actually, interestingly, I, I suppose I didn't. I'd spent two years away, so I was now 19. I'd come back when I was 19. I was turning 20 in the March of that year, 67. I was born in 47, so I was turning 20. Um, I, I guess I didn't expect I was going to even get on the list, you know. I went down to training. I appeared out of nowhere. Um, but no one thought that I was I was around. And, uh, you know, Graham sort of said, oh, you can come to training. And, and so I, I got on the list. And that was amazing to get on the list after actually four weeks of training. Um, I was written into the list. And I did that, I think, because I, I, I trained as hard as I possibly could. And, and the first training run I had at Richmond, we ran the tan. Uh, so that night when I found some runners in a jockstrap, I went over and ran the tan. And we ran around once, and I thought, oh, jeez, that's good. I've never done any sort of training. I've been in a feminine. 
and uh, we did some and we did some hills up and down the, the music bowl. And then they put us at the bottom of the bowl. Barry Stanton was the yeah. judge. Put us at the bottom of the tan and said, "Okay, now we're going to time you." And we had to run around it again. Well, gee, soft dead set died. You know, the second time around, I couldn't hardly lift a leg. I was chafing like blazes between the legs, and I was in a bad way. Um, so my, I came in you know, down the back with Paddy Ganone and Michael Patterson, um, uh, who, you know, were never going to run around the town at any sort of speed. Uh, so for the next five or six weeks, I trained my backside off, um, and uh, I improved dramatically. I actually got an award at the club for the biggest improver, and I, of course I should have, because I'd come from nowhere. <laughs> Um, so I got into a practice game. They actually picked me in a practice game, and here we are on on the Richmond ground playing, um, you know, uh, probables against possibles. Yep, of course, yep. I'm in the possibles, uh, and um, Billy Barrett's playing in the centre. Right. And they're one man short, and Tommy decides he'll play in my side in the centre. Tommy will. Tommy plays in right. the centre on Billy Barrett, <laughs> and he whooped him. He absolutely whooped him. I couldn't believe it. Um, uh, you, you, saw, you know, you looked at that photo of Tommy there. He was fit. Well, not only was he fit, he, he could play. Yeah. And um, we went out there and we played our backsides off, and Tommy was nearly best on the ground. It was amazing. Um, and that was my observation of him then. Well, I was in awe of him from that moment. I mean, he'd been telling us what to do, running us around the ground and all that sort of stuff, giving us drills. Uh, but he got out and he showed that he would try anything. And, you know, it, it was he was so hard at it. And he never stopped running. And he just kept on turning up. And he was just an inspiration. Um, Billy Barrett wouldn't have been happy. <laughs> no, Billy wasn't happy. No, Billy, when Billy, Billy, and, and when Billy wasn't happy, you could tell he wasn't happy. He sold. Yeah, so. Um, so then the other thing about Tommy was that uh, we used to train on, you know, mostly Tuesdays and Thursdays. We had other nights, but Tuesdays and Thursdays were the big training nights. And I was at uni, and Michael Green was at uni, and um, your dad wasn't at uni, but he was able to get off. A couple of others, Eric Moore, used to get off. And, and a few of us were able to get to training about 4 o'clock. Most of the blokes would come in at a bus 4, quarter to 5, even later. But we'd get there at 4. Mm. And um, we go down and, and start kicking. Now, your dad just loved Tommy, and, mm. and um, he'd be at one end and I'd be at the other. And Tommy would would contest with me for half an hour, three quarters of an hour going for marks. And Dad said, you had to work your backside up. You have to belt him around the ear to take a mark against him, the bastard. He was, you know how little he is. Yeah. But he would tunnel you and he'd smash you and he'd run into you and he'd jump and do all sorts of things. He just made a contest out of everything. Um, I became a better mark. I was a pretty good mark for my size. Um, uh, uh, anyhow, yeah. but I became better because of the intensive competitiveness that uh, I engaged in with Tommy. And, and often at the end of training, Tommy would let me go in early because <laughs> I'd be exhausted from having fought with him for an hour. Yeah. Oh, I can imagine. God. He was an amazing bloke. Um, so physically... Uh, I was, you know, really impressed by him. And, and then, of course, he's just his passion and his, his single-mindedness. Uh, mm. I said to him the other day, Tommy, you know, if you were a Catholic, you'd be a saint. He said, look, he, I didn't know, but I've been baptised a Catholic. And he went on and told me a story about um, <laughs> growing up and being, you know, all of his, I don't know the whole story, but, you know, fractured family background. And apparently he was a, he was baptised a Catholic at St Ignatius. 
Oh, heavens. Yeah, you better, you better follow that up, Rich. Yeah, that's great. The um, 67 was a fascinating year, I think, for you, because you played seven games yeah. right up even until the start of the final series. That's right. And I, what happened? I, well, Bill Richardson was injured. Oh, right, yep. And, and um, I, I had replaced him. I'd gone into the side to replace him, and I played right up to the finals, yeah. Uh, Round 17, I, yeah, against St Kilda yeah. was the last game there. And, and I, um, I played pretty well. Um, Johnny Nix came up to Darwin a few years ago and we had dinner and he said to me, you know, he said, you're real stiff. He said, I, I was on the selection committee and I wanted you in the side and you had, you had at least two votes. Um, but they decided on the ball coming back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I very nearly made that, that 67 finals series. Mm. Um, I'm glad... And I say this absolutely sincerely. I'm glad that Bull um, played in those finals because Bull was a, a Richmond legend. He'd been there all that time. He was a great player and he played in a premiership. And I'm glad he did. Um, and I got my chance two years later. So I think it worked out nicely. I think it was right. At the time, I wasn't disappointed. Um, I was elated that I'd got that far. Um, I actually won... I didn't win. I came second in the reserves best and fairest that year. A bloke called Ross Warner, who oh. I'm sure you know about. He was a gardener, wasn't he? Yeah, that's right. Still yeah. is, actually. Hey? He still is. Loves his garden. He, he, is that right? He's got a nursery yeah. still, yep. Yeah, well, he, he, he won the best and fairest in the reserves, and I came second, and I played, you know, those seven games in the senior. So I had a great year. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, and I didn't play badly in, in the seniors, you know. I, I'd done the job. Uh, but I'm glad that uh, the ball played. I sat in the stand. We played in the, in the reserves grand final, got beaten. Um, then went up and watched um, the mm. grand final and uh, saw Royce take that mark. Um, and uh, Freddie Swift take that mark. Mm. <laughs> uh, and Ronaldson's and, goals. That's right. And we won. Uh, did you, did you join in the celebrations? Won. Yeah, absolutely. I felt like we'd won, uh, that I'd been part of it. Uh, the whole club did. I mean, we didn't didn't go to the celebration dinner, but we celebrated in, in wholly as a club. Yeah. Um, I had. Uh, I, I don't uh, resent that at all. I think I was blessed to be there in, in the circumstances, and you know, I was blessed. Red. Um, I I was probably the least talented Richmond player that ever played in the Premiership, um, but I was probably one of the most determined. Richmond players that ever played. <laughs> I don't, I don't, some people would argue that that's not a fair assessment of yourself, Michael. Oh, well, I, I, I don't think that I had anywhere near the ability of, of the blokes who were champions. And, and I mean, it was a champion side. Uh, it, you go down the lines and you look at them and um, mm. Barry Richardson and Kevin Sheedy and John Northey and Billy Barrett and Royce Hart and Kevin Bartlett and Dickie Clay and mm. Francis Burke and Michael Green. Mm. Uh, and, you, you know, you, you list these blokes, Roger Dean, uh, they, uh, they were the side. Uh, the big gun from the West, Colin Beard, um, <laughs> John Ronaldson, uh, you know, those super players. Uh, and, and I happened to be there. Now, you know, Graham Bergen and I, Ian Owen and I, Eric Moore and I were probably comparable in terms of ability and having a go and loving the club, but we weren't the superstars that those other fellows were. 
Uh, and uh, I was just blessed to find those five years and 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 to be there. Um, uh, and and I played a lot of games in the reserves. Mm. Uh, and I was I was always proud to to run out on the ground in a Richmond jumper because um, it was you play for the club, um, not just for the level of the grade that you're playing in. It was a it's a great place to be. Um, in those days, there was a tremendous spirit there. And, a, and a, you know, Graham Bond, uh, Rex Hunt, yeah. they sat on the bench that day and, you know, were great players. And I, I actually um, was there and Rex wasn't, which was remarkable because what a super player he was. Um, so, yeah, I was very lucky. What were... Just a couple more questions. I won't take up too much of your time. What... Uh, what were the supporters like? Were they? I mean, was training? Did they? Was did training always have supporters watching? Or yeah, yeah. In those days, there were often uh, quite a, a, a lot of people there. My my dad and Mike Green's dad used to come down almost every Thursday night oh. um, and, and stand up in the social club and have a couple of beers and, and watch training. Um, Dad would go, they'd usually go home early and Gertie and I who lived, we both lived out of Mount Waverley, we'd, we'd go home together. Right. Um, yeah. But, uh, there was always a group there. Sometimes there'd be quite a, quite a group. There, there, there was a, you know, the supporters group. Yep. Um, made up some numbers and then there'd be interested people coming around. You know, it was all, yeah, sometimes walking down or running down the race, uh, uh, at Richmond in those days to just go on the train track. You'd, have to find your way through quite a few people who wanted to either get an autograph or have a chat or whatever. And on, on sometimes on game day, I've seen old footage, especially at grand finals. Uh, you look around the ground and there's people with their Kevin Bartlett 29 little banner over the over the fence and yeah. Michael there Green was. 37. Was there a uh, yeah, was there a Michael was. Bowden? There was. There was one. Yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you know who that was? No, I, I, I don't. Look, I, I, I did meet them. But I lost contact with them. Um, but there was a, it was a little square with Mick Bad number eleven on it <laughs> on the um, on the ground side or, or high, uh, high yeah, in the on stand? the southern side. It was on the southern side. Yeah. Oh, that's tremendous, isn't it? Yeah. It's great, isn't it, that there were um, you know a bunch of people who were following you. Yeah. You know, of all the players they chose, you were the one, and that's they right. saw something in you for whatever that was that they saw. Whatever that, that was, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then. We get to a great year for you, which is '69, yeah. which culminates in a, you know, a great grand final against Carlton. Yeah, it was. People, people say '67 yep. was, you know, the great grand final, and of course it was. But they, they don't understand that '69 was a great year for Richmond because we hardly made the four. That's right. Uh, and uh, we had to win our way into the four, and then we had to win our way from fourth uh, to the premiership. And we beat um, Collingwood uh, and Geelong on the way. Yeah, we did. Yeah. So it was Collingwood, Geelong, Carlton, and and they that's, they were the three powerhouses in the, in the league at the time. Uh, and we demolished Geelong, absolutely smashed them. Uh, yeah, the semi final. That's right. Yep, 118 yeah. points. Yeah, uh, and and we beat Collingwood pretty comprehensively, and they were a good side. Uh, and and then we took on Carlton, who were favourites, really. Uh, and we were down. Uh, I'm I'm not sure. I can I don't remember because it was playing, and you don't. I don't 
think about the game so much. You know, I haven't got a, a memory of the game itself. And I, even though I've looked at the video a couple of times, I, I just sort of, it's still a bit of a blur. But um, we, were, we were down and, and uh, shouldn't have really won. And then Tommy's made a couple of moves, and he didn't make a couple of moves. And, and Francis Burke played an absolute blinding last quarter. And I kicked a wobbly old funny-looking punt into the forward pocket that your father bobbed up and marked and took, kicked the goal. Um, <laughs> good pass. And, uh, that was a good pass, yeah. <laughs> was it was a great pass. Because yeah. Kevin had, had stu- stood on the other end of me kicking more than probably many other blokes. As I said, at all those yeah. training sessions with Tommy, yeah. uh, he was at one, Kevin was usually at the other end. And um, I was a shock and kick. One of the worst kicks you've ever seen. And if I went back and tried to kick a torpedo, it would go anybody with. And, and, and Kevin knew that. And he, he got in front and this bloody stupid wobbly thing, he was just where it fell. Um, but, uh, we, uh, we got up and won that game in circumstances that, that relied upon, you know, in, incredible heart and, and good coaching. Uh, and well, it was, it was quite special. And, and I was, I was part of it and it was, uh, yeah, it was a wonderful time in my life. But uh, the actual game itself, are you saying your memory of that is pretty blurred? You don't recall? Oh, very it blurred. I, I, wow. I, I don't... I, look, you know, I said to you, John Nichols, this is what I remember. I remember the first bounce-up in the game, the very first. I remember this part. And Michael Green, who was very good and used to beat Nichols, um, jumped up and punched the ball towards Richmond's half-forward line and it went out basically to where the race was, where we used to run down the race. And we all turned, the whole of the centre ruck contingent, both teams, and ran towards the boundary line because it just got sort of rolled out of bounds. And as I'm running towards, Nichols has come up behind me, Big Don's come up behind me and given me a roundhouse behind the head, um, hit me with his sort of the crook of his arm, uh, like a scythe, just ran past me and just whacked me. And I've gone face down into the dirt, (laughs) just crashed into the dirt, and he's yelled at me as he's gone by. Um, about 20 minutes later, I've got, I had a head crash with Serge Silvani and broken a tooth. Um, and that's all I can remember about the game. <laughs> oh. um, I, I can't remember anything else. I don't remember getting a kick. I don't remember how the game went. I remember the last mark I took and a half-forward flank. Because I, I, the, other, the other thing I remember about Nichols was that I had to ruck in the forward line. Um, when when the ball went into the forward line, Greeny would stay out um, across the half forward line or the wing, and uh, either um, Big John or I would go for the ruck. And I've gone for a couple of rucks, and Nichols has smashed me over the back of the head a couple of times. Um, so I remember those things, but I I don't remember much more about the game. Um, just running around trying to get a kick. Have you have you appeared at Premiership reunions with Richard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Been last one was was a terrific thing. It must have been about ten years ago. I can't remember exactly. Yeah, seven or eight. Down at down at um, when they had the Tommy Hafey Club '69 yep. reunion. It was a terrific day. Yeah. Uh, almost everybody was there. All right. Um, and but I did turn up at one reunion, and I came and sat in the bus, and people looked at me and looked at me and looked at me, and then Dickie came up, spoke out to me, and said, "Who are you?" Um, so I'd been away for so long um, that I was unknown to most of the blokes uh, at that point. 
Where, where was this at? Was it? Oh, we we were gathered to go down to a, uh, a Richmond. It was a Richmond reunion. We went down to watch a game down at Geelong. We all went down the bus together. Right. And, and I arrived and got in the bus and uh, went and sat down. And usually I knocked around with Greeny, but Greeny wasn't there, so I just sort of bundled in. And I knew yeah. all the boys because I'd seen them on telly. But I'd been away, you know, gone gone off to Mildura and then gone off into the Northern Territory and hadn't had any contact with people. God. And and they didn't know me. And by that stage, I'd, I was bald and bearded and uh, <laughs> and uh, not, uh, not the young bloke that they, I'd left behind in 1970. You know, I left in 71, you see, went to Rombole in 72. So it was a big, big, big gap. Uh, well, I, I think I think Jeff Strang is the only one of that 69 team who's passed on, actually. Uh, yeah, that's right. Um, Freddie Swift had... Uh, he did 67, he and, finished in 67. And Michael Patterson had died, but uh, yeah, Jeff Strang... Uh, wasn't there. I think he might have passed on it. Yeah, you're right. Do you, yeah, he do you have a memory of Jeff? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I do. I never got to interview him, unfortunately, but I spoke to John Perry not long ago and he told me about Jeff. But what, what's your memory of Jeff? Well, my memory of Jeff was a super talented footballer. Yeah. Um, a very, a very fast, very aggressive... Uh, when I say aggressive... Uh, uh, he he attacked the ball with great confidence. He he was a player who was um, he had a, a an, an approach to the game was that if I've got the ball, my opponent hasn't. Uh, and so as a halfback flanker, where he played predominantly, he he was a very um, he anticipated really well. He attacked the ball. He got in front. He ran really hard. He was very fast. He was incisive. He 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 um, would cut through lines. I also remember him as one of the, the, the last blokes who kicked drop kicks in games. Oh. He and he and Barry Richardson were probably the two last blokes at Richmond and maybe even in the league who kicked drop kicks in games. There were a couple of Collingwood players who were still doing it. Oh. Um, but, uh, yeah, he he, uh, he was a beautiful kick yeah. uh, and uh, he was strong and he was fast and he was very successful. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he was a, he's a good player. And in, and in that team, we had Kevin Sheedy, who we all know has gone on to become a super coach. Could yeah. could you see anything in a in him as a player that gave that indication he would be? Oh, shit, yeah, shit, yeah. Um, uh, what 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 um, uh, we saw in Sheedy in those early days. Remember, this is the time when he'd been um, uh, banned by. Paran and yep. couldn't get a clearance and all that sort of stuff and then he'd come across to Richmond and he, he was a sentiment um, at Paran and he came across to play um, at Richmond under Tommy and Tommy had you know such a direct and, and long style and, and Sheets was, was at that stage as, a, as a, uh, a VFA player with lots of space he was very clever very elusive he'd jink and jive he'd kick little passes he you know, he was always doing something different, and he had to be worked into the side. Well, he did. He, he did work into the side, and he, and he did play in Tommy's style, but he still kept his own inimitable little tricks that made him very effective. Um, then uh, he, he was always inventing things and always trying out new tricks, and he was also one of the mm, nastiest most competitive pricks that you've ever met on the ground. He was um, the cagiest and, and cleverest antagonist um, that you've ever seen. I, I played in this famous game 
uh, Richmond versus Hawthorne when and Peter Hudson's at his absolute best. Um, and Sheedy was in one back pocket, Barry Richardson was full back, and I played permanent back pocket that day. Uh, and my job as permanent back pocket was to stand in a hole in front of Hudson. Right. Um, so I just thought I had to run to where Hudson used to run, because Hudson used to run into that hole. Hawthorne would turn, get the ball across the wing and half foot and just kick the ball into a hole, mm-hmm. which was about 15, 20 metres in front of the end of the goal square. Yeah. Um, and Hudson would run backwards and run forwards and then turn around and sprint into that hole and the ball would land there. And my job was to stand there and be stood on. Um, and I did that. But Shooty's job was to come over the back and, and really pummel Hudson whenever he could. And I remember him running past him, whipping him, um, you know, nicking him with his elbow, spitting in his face. Oh, he just antagonised him all day. Really? And, and Barry played on him um, and uh, he didn't kick a goal. The only time in his yeah. career um, that Hudson failed to score a goal in a match was that day. Well, you can't, um, you can't blame him. He had Tommy, he had Kevin Sheedy spitting and, and all that near it. And me, and me standing there so he didn't have anywhere to fall into. And Richardson, who was a bloody good player. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and the whole side, you know, uh, Richmond side's uh, tactic at that time was simply to stop the ball getting there. Yeah, the, the only way to stop Hudson really was to stop the ball getting there because... He was so very good. Can I ask um, you just a couple more questions? Is that okay? Yeah, yeah. But I, I, I look, I had great admiration for Kevin yep. because he adapted his game. The, the point I'm making really is that he adapted his game from a VFA style right. to a VFL style. Right. And he did that, and he recognised he wasn't going to take Barrett's position away. So, you know, he and Tommy worked out he was going to be a back pocket. Um and uh, that was really quite a discipline for him because, as you know, he went from the back pocket back to becoming a, a midfielder. Um, yes, yeah. Um, and, and he was able to adapt himself into a back pocket um, because he was such a, a talented footballer. Can you just describe to me the, the kind of grounds that you played on? Because oh. you played under-19s, I'm guessing, at Punt Road, but by the time you played seniors, Richmond had moved to the MCG. Yeah. And which which is probably one of the better grounds compared to what you were playing on. Yeah, well, Richmond, uh, the, the Richmond training ground was just abysmal. I actually lost my wedding ring um, in 1969 um, on the Richmond, well, 60, no, on the Richmond ground one night of training. I was wearing my ring and went to training. And I used to tape it up, but I didn't. I thought, oh, there's no need to tape it up. I'm not going to hit anybody. Yeah. And it was so cold that I uh, went for a ball and the ball, the ring just slipped off my finger and fell in the mud and disappeared. Never, ever found it. Hold on. So, <laughs> Michael Bowden's wedding ring is still on Punt Road somewhere. Absolutely. On the ground. Yeah. Now, they have dug up the ground recently, Michael, and yeah, they, relayed they it to... Metal detectors, so they might find it. <laughs> now, you obviously had to tell your wife what happened, I'm guessing. Yeah, I, I did. Yeah, I had to tell her and... Uh, it, didn't go down too well. It had a little thing on the middle, underneath it, you know, inside it was a little a thing called The Two of Us. Mm-hmm. Um, Jude and I used to love the song called The Two of Us. It was a, I don't know, some old song, yeah. a, a pop song at the time. Oh my. Uh, and we had that inscribed in, in our wedding ring, so we had one each called The Two of Us, and I'd lost one of the two of us. <laughs> um, but uh, I am... Um, I, I, get, I got another one, you know, in replacement, and then one day I was playing football up in Alice Springs, where I am at the moment with my daughter, and um, I was playing uh, in the B grade at Alice Springs when I'm about, I don't know, 45 or something. 
and uh, I went from Mark. I had my wedding ring on, and I used to put a band around that. I couldn't get it off, you know. The knuckles had all swollen up. So I, I put a bit of tape around it, and I went from Mark, and I hit my finger on the on the ball, of course, and the, the, the knuckles swelled up enormously. I had to get bolt cutters and cut the bastard off. <laughs> so I've, I've lost two wedding rings from football. Uh, one of them in the ground at uh, Richmond, and the other one... Uh, 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 the bolt cutters at Lower Pinder Oval and Lower Springs. But anyhow. <laughs> I'm guessing um, there was a worse ground than Richmond, but wasn't there? Uh, say it again. There were worse grounds than Richmond? Oh, I think Moorabbin. Right. Yep. Yeah. Um, I think the worst game of football I ever played in was at Moorabbin, obviously against St Kilda. The, the, the whole, there was not a blade of grass on the ground, I don't reckon. <laughs> Would have been about 68 or 69. Wasn't a blade of grass on the ground. It was just, it was just black mud the whole way over. Um, it was moving too. You know, the whole of the surface moved. The only two people, no, there were three people who could handle the ball that day. Ian Stewart, Darrell Baldock and Royce Hart. Nobody else could touch it really. Um, Baldock was supreme. He was just so good. It was unbelievable. He, he could play, I reckon he could play in water. Uh, it, you know, he, he, he's just, his ball handling and his, and his slickness and his ability to, to read the play and read where the ball was going to go in the slush was just amazing. Uh, I, I thought that uh, Moorabbin's surface was, was the worst that I played on. Um, I, I didn't like um, the Footscray Oval very much because it was too bloody long and too bloody windy. And North Melbourne was too small and, and too cramped. Um, and yeah, Hawthorne, Hawthorne was strangely shaped, wasn't it? Yeah, Hawthorne was sort of like buried. It was sort of like a catacomb. Um, mm. It almost felt as if you were playing underground. Um, the, the, the bloody uh, train went by, you know, three stories up. Um, <laughs> it was a strange, strange place to play football. Uh, and it was a strange shape uh, and, and uh, funny feeling. Uh, I don't remember playing for Richmond at Hawthorne where we ever played well. Yeah. Um, I do remember a remarkable game um, at uh, Carlton. Uh, maybe others have told you this story, but this is a remarkable story, I reckon. It's it's 1968 or 69, I'm not sure. I think it's probably 68. I can't remember. You'd, you'd be able to check it. Anyhow, um, uh, uh, Lionel Rose is, is uh, fighting uh, a, a second fight. Or Johnny Famishon, I think, can't remember. Johnny Famishon, might have been Johnny Famishon. Yeah. Anyhow, one of these blokes, Rose or Famishon, is having a fight, a replay fight, overseas, and we're playing football against Carlton uh, at Princess Park. And when you're playing football, you, you're aware of the crowd. Um, they, they don't intrude, but you're aware of them, and, and you, you know you, you hear them, and you hear the sort of the general hubbub of the, of the, of the game, and the, and the crowd goes with the game. So mm. you know it. You become attuned to it. It's sort of like a... Uh, a, a background music almost to, to what the, the symphony or the, or the performance is going on out on the ground. Anyhow, we're playing this game and, and all of a sudden we're hearing sounds coming out of the crowd that weren't coordinated with what was happening on the ground. There was great roars uh, from, from the crowd and then there'd be silence and in the middle of, of something there'd be another great roar and there'd be nothing happening on the ground that had anything to do with a great roar. No one had taken a mark or been poleaxed or anything. Mm. And, and at uh, Quarter time, we, we came in and then we heard that the ground management was playing this, this fight over the PA system. During the game? During the game. 
and everybody's listening to this this fight because it was a world championship. Was listening to the fight while they were watching the footy. It was the most bizarre experience. So that actually happened at the, the Carlton Football Ground, Princess Park, in one of those years, '68 or '69. I've never heard that story, Michael. Never. Yeah, that, that is a great that story. Happened. Now let's fast forward, and I'll I'll end with um, your thoughts on. Uh, the Bowden name tra- continuing with Richmond, and not only did the name continue with Joel, obviously, um, but the number continued as well, which I thought was yeah. lovely. Yeah, I thought that was lovely. I, I mean, I, I'm very proud of Sean, um, the, the, uh, our first boy. Um, he, he is built very much in his, uh, in his dad's mould, I suppose, in the sense that while he was talented enough, he, he wasn't a superstar. But by geez, you know, he played six games. He played under under Kevin. Um, he he um, he did the very very best he could, and he wore number eleven, and he wore it proudly. And he was a bit stiff. He got a stress fracture, and, and it, you know, cut his his football future down. Yeah. He he talks about it now as being a bit of a godsend because he probably wouldn't have been able to finish his law degree as quickly and as well as he did. Um, did you come and watch him often? No, no. I probably saw six games that I played. Um, his, first, his first game, his last game, and his 200th game, and perhaps a couple of others. Oh, um, right. uh, but um, one of the great things about Joel was that he would ring me up almost every Saturday night or whenever a game had finished, and we'd have um, a little post-match together. Um, I'd try to watch it on the telly, or I'd listen to it on the radio. Yep. I used to go riding uh, down here in Alice Springs and I'd ride and um, uh, I'd have the radio in my ear. I'd be riding with a cycling club and, and have the radio going listening to him play and, and I'd watch the telly and I'd have a chat with him and we'd always have a, a debrief. Um, hmm. So I, I knew... Uh, we'd, I was intimately involved in his footy but from, from afar. Yeah. Uh, he was great like that. Um, he always included me. And uh, he listened to me too. You know, he, he never was impatient and he, he never rang up in a perfunctory way. He, he always rang up and was very inclusive and I, uh, I award him for that. He's a great bloke. And, and then yep, the joy of Patrick coming across, you know, I wish that Pat had been drafted, but, uh, you know, Terry, Terry Wallace, I, I thank him. He, he brought Pat uh, to AFL footy and then he brought him back to Richmond. So, That's right. um, that was great. And, uh, so we had, uh, Three Bowdens play number 11 and four Bowdens play at the club, and, you know, I'm, I'm pretty proud of that. Was there any Bowdens who didn't play, Michael? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, Sean's, Sean's uh, younger brother, Rhett, 
Yeah, great um, name. Great name. Great name, Red. Yeah. <laughs> and and he he uh, he was as good a footballer as Sean. Right. Um, he played a hundred games, I think, for Port Melbourne, and he played a lot of games at Premiership for East Fremantle. Um, he's in Port Melbourne's team of the century, I think, and uh, he was a great player, highly regarded in West Australia. Um, he was a terrific player. He had a lot of Joel skills. A lot of those evasive, quick hands, mm. uh, great, great vision, um, and, and, a, and a very, very good on baller. He was better on ball than Joel. Um, Joel wasn't a great on baller. He, he was um, better as a, as either a man on man or a run offer. Yep. Uh, but Rhett was very good, as Sean was very good in close. Uh, and then there was Kane, uh, who uh, wasn't as good as, as the other boys, but still played a lot of games for. Uh, Port Melbourne and also coached University Blacks um, and he was a good footballer and then there's the boy in our family who's not our son but Charlie Kellett and you can do a bit of research on Charlie but we, we raised Charlie in Robinvale um, uh, when we went to Robinvale I was coaching Charlie's uh, older brother was playing for the Robinvale club and uh, Charlie was just a little boy uh, his mum and dad had uh, broken up and he wasn't uh, really he was a little bit of a on the streets in town yep. and uh, he ended up being at our house a lot and then eventually uh, we fostered him and he came across and lived with us when we moved to Redcliffe and grew up with our, our family uh, played footy with Redcliffe where I was coaching and then with Imperials where I was coaching and um, he eventually came down and played with Richmond but never got in the seniors he played Richmond Reserves but never played in the seniors so he's another Bowden boy who was at Richmond too so, uh, a great story. Yeah, he's he's the fifth of the boys. If we can well, end, fifth, sorry, fifth of the mob, fifth <laughs> of the mob, four of the boys, and me made made five of the mob who pulled on a Richmond jumper. If we can end, Michael, by just asking, there are those who will remember you playing. Maybe even they were the ones who held the banner over the uh, MCG fence when you were playing. How do you hope, or do you would like? Um, people to remember you for your football career? Um, as a bloke who uh, was as competitive as I could be, who didn't give up, um, who went for the hard ball, um, who tried to be in every contest that I could be in uh, and made the most of the limited ability I had. Um, I think that you know, my my, I suppose what if I was to hope that anybody who was a young footballer would think about uh, following Michael Bowden would be that I was a bloke who couldn't kick very well, and so what I, I adapted just like Sheedy, I adapted myself into a handballer. I I realised that I couldn't kick it as well as as John Northey mm. or Billy Barrett or Kevin Bartlett, and so when I got the ball, I tried to give it to them so they could kick it. So. I, I developed handball, and it became a signature. Um, I didn't know this, but Michael Green told me a couple of years ago that in 1969 I had the, the highest number of handballs in, in the VFL that year. Um, and uh, I, uh, I think that became, you know, my signature, that, that I developed a, a skill that made me useful uh, yeah. and, and was a, a contributor because I... Uh, you would get in close, so I would try hard to get the, the contested ball, 
and then I'd foot it out to somebody who was better who could kick it. Um, yeah. And I, yeah, I, I hope I never, never shirked it. I always faced up to it. I always went for the hard ball and the impossible ball, and <laughs> and I was as tough as I could be. Um, you know, I, I uh, was prepared to take the physical knocks in order to get uh, the ball, and I never wanted to hurt anybody else, but. Uh, I was prepared to be hurt, and sometimes when you're prepared to be hurt, you actually do hurt somebody else, but not with the intention of hurting them. So that's been my philosophy. Go hard, have a red-hot go, uh, get your head down, get it over the ball, do the best you can, um, and uh, see what results. Well, if I can say on behalf of all Richmond fans and all the people you played with or against, thank you so much for your contribution to Tigerland. Thanks. Thanks, Red. Right. It's nice of you to give me the chance to ramble on like this. I think it's been longer than a quarter of an hour, but I don't know. <laughs> I hate to tell you, it's been an hour. <laughs> Is that right? And who knows, hopefully maybe down the track I'll give you another call and we'll, we'll talk about more memories if that's okay at some point. <laughs> well, I've enjoyed it tonight, mate. It's been, it's been a pleasure. <laughs> this audio is from the archive of Rhett Bartlett.